Okay. All right. Well, the way I understand um, the Christian notion of sin is uh, different than the conventional Christian way to know, to understand sin. But I, I would argue that it is actually um, metaphysically more correct, <laughs> if, if such thing can be said to be correct. But I, I'm hoping that the way I understand sin from a larger, wider metaphysics is actually true to of what the depth of Christianity, how, how the depth of Christianity would understand sin. And the word sin, you probably know, means missing the mark. Maybe you've heard that, yeah. And um, that can be a little bit better explanation. It, it kind of removes some of the shame overlays that culture has given us over the years. But it's still not hugely clarifying, you know, quote, missing the mark. Uh, the way I understand it is in third density that we experience here on earth is a third density that is veiled and veiled is um, as you know veiled is the condition of consciousness where we have a dim you know darkly seeing kind of semi-permeable membrane that between our conscious mind and our unconscious mind and we we can get a sense especially our intuition that all things are somehow united perhaps uh and maybe we can even understand that conceptually a little bit but typically at the level of gnosis and the word gnosis means um lived experiential reality like what is your experience tell you you know that that that's the word gnosis and gnosis therefore <clears throat> means that you know we we've at a gnosis level most of us don't know that there is unity because everything feels so separate we come out of the womb We've just separated from our mom. You know, it's this separation. We feel exiled from unity and union. We have a deep remembrance that, that we are in union, but it, everything else in our life feels so separate that we, uh, we have an intuition that we're somehow on exile or punished or something like that. Why, sh why does it have to be this um, hard? <laughs> Why does it have to feel so separate, this much conflict? You know, that, that's often a question we have. And from that sense, on this side of the veil, in, in third density, humans have come up with this archetype of being thrust out. So we have the Garden of Eden, for example, being thrust out of the garden. Somehow we sinned or missed the mark and therefore that we're thrust out of wholeness um, thrust out of of this union or um, you know in the Catholic Church for example you have one of the prayers of, of the rosary is um, I think it's to 
Mary, um, uh, valley of tears, in this valley of tears, you know, thus our exile into this valley of tears. And it's this, again, uh, religious imagination of humanity walking in a suffering way that we've been exiled into um, and help us. We, we pray with, with a great heart, help us in our hour of need, let's say. Well, the truth is, I think, metaphysically, is that this great veil of forgetting, forgetting that we are one with God and we're one with each other and one with all creation, is actually a great gift, metaphysically, and, and at a level transcendent to our experience of reality. But it doesn't feel like a gift to us. <laughs> but it is a great gift and a novel concept at the, at the logoic level. Um, because what it does is it gives the logos an experience of itself, through its sense organs. Now we, let's say, are its sense organs. How it experiences itself is through us, in us, as us, <laughs> in third density. And it, because third density here is so intense, super, super intense, then it is getting a really intense experience of itself through this novel concept of being separate, of being veiled. And what ends up happening, though, is we have wholeness. So let's think about wholeness as the actual metaphysical truth that all things are one. All things are inside a pervasive matrix of union and unity, a grid of, of oneness where plurality and diversity are respected and maintained as each, like a note, the nodal points on a grid that everything is itself, but also a part of a greater whole. And that is uh, this oneness, this union and unity. And that is reality. Like that is how it is. That's the greatest truth, capital T. However, in order for this union and unity to experience itself, it has to create the illusion of separation. Because inside the illusion of separation, then all of a sudden, uh, you get differentiation. You get subtle hues. So think of white light, no hues, no differentiation, pure potential. White light contains all of the colors and all of the hues of all of the colors. <laughs> you know, just think of that. White light contains it all. But because white light has no hue, no differentiation, there is no movement. It's potentiation without the possibility of act, act, actualization because in order to have something actualized, you have to have like a vacuum. You have to be able to, to send it over there. Um, let's take blue light out of the white light and put it over there. And then now we can see blue as an action, you know, something in and of itself. 
But that doesn't happen if it's pure white light. Can't you can't remove something from pure unity. So unity has to create this idea of limitation, even though it's an illusion, but it's a sacred illusion. And it creates this. So I think of a prism, you know, and white light then pours itself into this prism. And then from this, inside this prism, different colors emerge on the other side. And the other colors, let's say these seven other colors, are not different than this in substance than the white light. It's all light. It's all from the one source. It is it is one. But it's not quite the same. So we have in a way that the red is the red and it's special and the orange is the orange and the yellow is the yellow and we have these different spectrums of light that are themselves holy and sacred and they have a thisness they have a suchness you know what um dun scotus called the haseity i know i'm saying that wrongly but anyways the the thisness of that the uniqueness but it's also the essence of it the substance of the red let's say is not different than the white because it is god experiencing god's self as the red <laughs> and not only do we have the differences now in spectrum but we also they they will interplay with each other so now you have let's say um the different colors can connect and form relationships and we get different hues from these different colors and each one of these hues is its own thing inside a larger transcendent layer which is inside a larger transcendent white so we have actualized the actualized thisness of an object or thing, whether it's an actual object or the relationship between two objects. And then we have potential, so actualization and potential. It's all God, but now God can experience God's self through manifestation. And it's, it's still wholeness, though. It's all whole. But here's the interesting thing. Um, when, when it comes to evolution, where creation comes to the level of self-awareness, which in the law of one we would say is the third density human, it's the first, it's the first stage of self-awareness, you know, the rock and then the animal and then the human. And it's the first stage of self-awareness and, and it's self-awareness, which has free will, but they also have the veil. We also have the veil of forgetting all of that together, self-awareness plus free will plus the veil equals intensity and intense experience. And inside this intense experience, this particular bandwidth of consciousness, which is completely novel, completely sacred, there are two paths to progress forward inside this. And because once the illusion of separation feels so real, 
Okay, once that it once that is true, you can actually choose the path of falsity. You can choose the path of separation as a legitimate path forward. Um, and the reason why that's the case is because the um, the more you give energy to something, and the more honed you ener- you energize your um, focal focal point. So you actually come down, you you take your energy, you bring it down to some sort of convergent thing, and then go forward with that through free will. Uh, you can create in some ways a reality even though it's false because there is no such thing as separation, but inside separation, inside the ethos or the the illusion, you can create a reality. So here's an example. Um, You've heard it said that if you tell a lie enough, it can become the truth. Like if you tell people something lie enough, then people will begin to believe that that is the truth and then base certain assumptions and whatnot upon that lie, even though the lie is not true. You see, like if I say, for example, um, uh, okay, I'll speak as a white male, white men are the best. Um, And if I tell that lie enough and then create laws that reinforce this lie and then subjugate other people, including women below and beneath me for my own benefit, um, I have created a system that is relative, not absolute, but it's relatively true. It's experientially true because it, you know, experiences this, we experience reality in this way and we can structure reality this way, even though metaphysically it's not true that white men uh, and other people (laughs) are all third density humans we're all god having an experience of being human but i can yeah go ahead no that okay so you're like two steps ahead of me (laughs) you're you're exactly right but i'm I'm about to get there because what i'm trying to do is build this case about what is sin um but it's it's yeah so you you're that you're there uh you're in the saint category, not the sin category. <laughs> so give me a second to get there out of hell. I need to get to heaven. I know, but <laughs> you're already there. Um, <laughs> okay. So what I'd like to say then is we are, we view the world and we understand the world largely through two conflicting ways. One is our conscious mind and one is our unconscious mind. The deep unconscious mind knows that everything is one. We, we, because we are one. <laughs> you can't, you, there's a way that, that can, that's a, there's always a yes. At, at the deepest part of your soul has never said no to God. It's always saying, yes, this is true. Yes, there is oneness. Yes, I want this, you know. Um, but a conscious mind and consciously we see the world as separate uh, for the most part and what ends up happening is over time we begin to uh, do actions or have thoughts 
that facilitate and further this illusion of separation. So for example, if I say to you something really mean and something about your character and really mean, what that is, is that that would be a sin, you see. That would be a sin um, in the sense that I am hurting and, and saying something opposite of unity and union. And I'm hurting another cell in this one body. We are all cells. We are all members. We are all parts of this one body. That is the truth. That is metaphysically the truth. But if I act in a way that uh, is in opposition or misses the mark of wholeness, if I further on this ideation of separation in my actions and my thoughts and in my attitudes and all of that stuff, then what I'm doing is I'm contributing, I'm strengthening the power of falsity, the power of the illusion of separation by hurting you, you see. Now, ultimately, that hurts me because we are all one body. So, so I'm, it, I'm actually hurting myself, capital S, self, because it, it keeps the, the great one body, the great self of the human collective, it keeps us entrapped in uh, reactivity and bellicosity and, you know, manipulation. And all of that belongs are products of, let's say, this ethos of separation. But if I can learn, for example, to realize, oh my gosh, the reason why I said something nasty to her is because I myself am hurting, hurt people, hurt people, you know, you've heard that. So I myself am hurting because of this thing that happened to me. I'm going to accept this. I'm going to forgive myself for being broken, I'm going to ask for you for forgiveness. So that stops this karma, this bellicosity, this, it's, it's a corrective. It's bringing wholeness into, it's bringing the light, the luminosity of wholeness into the, the perverse light of separation that I also gave to you by hurting you. But now I'm bringing wholeness and I'm reconciling. That's what the word reconciling means is to reconnect the parts. It's remembering. We're all members and we, we are remembering, putting together. And so now I'm bringing the light of wholeness, for, which is forgiveness, <laughs> into our relationship. And I'm asking for forgiveness. And if you forgive me, then that is you strengthening those bonds of wholeness, activating it from your side. And so now we are actually through our relationship that happened because of the conflict, me awakening to my own hurt, hurting, hurtful nature towards you, you forgiving me because of the actual conflict, the illusion of separation that started it. Now we have wholeness, but now it's activated on this side of the veil. See, as before, wholeness is all pure potentiality and white light, but now it's wholeness on this side of the veil through the constructive tension of, of two members of the body, the one body, not knowing that they're one body, going through conflict, 
going through the process of reconciliation and then coming together with an intentional activated yes i forgive you i receive your for your pardon i give you pardon and, and and now we are one on this side of the veil that's an activated uh form of wholeness so we have always in white light the potentiated form of wholeness on this side of the veil we have i always see it as golden i think wholeness pre-veil or before the veil or before manifestation is white light and wholeness after the veil come to a level of intentional wholeness and activation is golden gold the color gold so anyways when i sin when i do something that is sinful i it's an action it's an attitude it's a predisposition that i put into manifestation through my words or thoughts that further the ethos of separation and it misses the mark of wholeness but whenever i am doing a spiritual practice and especially a spiritual praxis praxis means service it's taking theology and then making it embodied through service when i do that with you then all of a sudden what ends up happening is that uh i am taking that sin that i did and contribute to the world and then it turns it and it's actually through the sin it's through my own sinfulness that i come to a greater wholeness because i realize after a while that one can only hurt themselves so much and then i feel choked by my own separated nature you know i could say sinful nature in the christian sense but it really means metaphysically i have lived my life in such a degree of separation that i feel so alone and alienated and lonely that i can't live this way anymore the cocoon i have created is too small and i want to stretch my wings so the way i break out of this cocoon is to actually flip over into the ethos of union and unity by discovering <clears throat> that i have been hurting myself first so it's an inner look and then every time i've projected out and scapegoated outward that would be me furthering on the the separation the ethos of separation and when i can recognize that my own scapegoating outward was actually an invitation for me to look inward and realize inside where do i feel separated what have i alienated inside you know and when i can do that inner work and the shadow the wholeness the luminosity of my my inner life my soul can come into the sh the shadow parts of my unconscious and then when light comes all shadow disappears so i with the awareness of all the ways that i have been hurt and i can forgive those people and forgive myself then i can look at all the ways that i have hurt others and when i can do that i am in a sense whole much more whole and by the way whole and holy same word i'm more holy too then i can go out and be a steward of wholeness the steward of wholeness and the word catholic believe it or not uh, from a Greek standpoint means 
whole maker are um, the one who actively stewards wholeness in the manifested world. That's what Catholic means. Catholic is stewarding, creating wholeness everywhere. So that's what that's what we're called to. We're called to help people uh, be. We are called to be mirrors of people to do our inner work to become as whole as possible. Not by scapegoating, but by recognizing that we ourselves have been hurt and we can forgive um, because we have hurt people and we ask for, for their forgiveness because in forgiveness stops the wheels of karma, the wheels of this separation. Thank you. Uh, you've said it better than I did. Um, you took what I said, you, in, you internalized it and processed it and then said it in a way that I can see it actually moves you. It, you get it now. <laughs> And so if you want wholeness, if you want to feel this golden light of wholeness, we have to steward wholeness inside ourselves and steward wholeness out there because that is precisely how we are then facilitators of activating wholeness on this side of the veil. Yeah, and it's through relationships. It's through great love and honestly mostly great suffering but that's always the case that's always the case and uh, I think the Jesus archetype is really important for us to look at because it was um, the closest one I mean it was one of his inner circle that betrayed him with a kiss which is a very intimate you know sharing between two people um, that act of vulnerability and, and um, intimacy and sharing uh, profession, let's say a physical profession of uh, friendship is was the very act that signified the betrayal you see so um, and then so he was indeed hurt by people closest to him he was even you know denounced three times by Peter whom he had chosen to be well I mean at least the the narrative, <laughs> um, but I think the archetype is good that he chose to lead this um, movement uh, betrayed him. So that was also a, a moment of great betrayal for for the person Jesus. Now you and I uh, can learn that that betrayal hurts, and that is also our crucifixions. That is our cross. Um, and it is from that cross that we embrace uh, the fullness of our hurt. And then from that cross, we say, forgive her, Father. Forgive him, Father. Forgive them, Father. Forgive uh, them, Father, for they know not what they do. That would be translated in the metaphysical language that I'm trying to use here is, um, may wholeness of the one infinite creator overshadow um, overshadow these fragments of separation in a loving and compassionate way because these fragments of separation do not know that they are indeed 
part of the whole. And so in forgiveness stops the wheels of karma and we can pray. Um, we can create our own reality, just like the wheels of the, the veil of separation creates the reality more of separation. The more that we act in the ethos of separation, we create the world that looks like that. We can do the exact same thing through our intention by creating the world of unity and union or wholeness. Um, by creating thought forms of prayer, which I do believe is, is the point of the Jesus Christ event, to bring this reality of union and unity through forgiveness as something that people can therefore tap into uh, and then pray in the spirit of the Jesus Christ event, pray and then blow into the world uh, this inertia of forgiveness because that's how it's all going to come back together this seemingly separated humanity is going to come back together in a convergent point through oneness and love but it's not going to get there unless it's through forgiveness and reconciliation See, so you and I are called if we say yes to this to be active intentional members catholic uh wholeness makers intentional and we do that through stewarding forgiveness and acceptance um, and love what do you think <laughs>